Good morning, everyone, and welcome to New Hope Church Online. Happy New Year. My name is Bunny, and I'm joined this morning with my son, Ethan. Aloha and Happy New Year, everyone. We're excited to share with you a couple of pretty cool things that are coming up. The first one, we're already three days in, but that's okay. You can still join us. Jump on in. That's right. You and your church community, family, or friends are invited to our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Prayer is one of the most important things a believer can do. The impact of a committed prayer is the one thing that cannot be imitated. For more information, visit foursquareprayer.org or follow us on Instagram at newhopeilahua.e. Okay, also coming up this week, Wednesday, we're kicking off the very first Equip and Disciple of 2021 with a worship night. Worship is definitely more than just singing. It's a lifestyle. So please be sure to tune in online at 6.30 p.m. and come join us. And for those of you who are part of our New Hope home groups, tune in 15 minutes prior for a new home group training with Pastor Sheldon. This is going to be a good year. Oh yeah? How do you know that? Because we have a good God. Amen. You got that right. Well, that's all the announcements we have for you this morning. Go ahead and download the New Hope app to stay up to date with current events and follow us on our social media platforms. You can also sign up for the newsletter or better yet, join or start your own NHC home group. Thanks, Ethan, for joining me this morning for the announcements. And at this time, we're going to prepare our hearts to receive the tithes and offering. You know, as I was putting away the Christmas ornaments off of my tree, I was reminded of how grateful I am to have a God that loves his children so much that he never leaves us. And he walked us through a difficult season and continues to do so. And I was looking at the ornaments and I was thinking about the gift that he has given us in Jesus, that we just celebrated Jesus's birthday. But more than that, we celebrate the hope that he brings and the freedom that he offers and that we get this invitation to choose him. And when we do so, even though there's still chaos around us, we can rest assured that we are secure in his love, that we are made secure that we don't have to live in fear, that we don't have to always have this anxiousness that things are gonna fall apart. We know that this world is temporal, but God is eternal and God is a generous God. And this being a new season, a new year, we get to have this uh, freedom to see the hope that he brings and we get to walk in that freedom. And we get to be in that generosity. We get to live out in that spirit with our family and friends and with people that we come in contact with. So as we prepare to give this morning, as we give of our offerings or our tithes, it's not because it's out of obedience. Yes, that too. Or because we're going to get something back. That's great. But it's because we're aligning ourselves and we're making a commitment to just come back into God's will and to rest assured in that freedom and hold on to the hope that Jesus brings. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
So when we give this morning, let's be reminded how good our God really is. Let's pray. Most heavenly Father, most gracious and generous Father, Abba, we thank you. We thank you for seeing us through another season. We thank you for your comfort and peace. We thank you for your freedom. We thank you for the hope that you provide through your son, Jesus. We thank you for extending an invitation to us so that we too can look forward to eternity with you. Lord, thank you for those that are continuing to give so that we together with you and by your spirit can advance your kingdom. May your will be done in us and on earth. So bless the giver, bless the tithes, bless the offerings that are coming in. Use them, Lord, multiply them. And Father, we stand in your will and your presence, grateful. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Pastor Sheldon starts a brand new series. Here's Pastor Sheldon. Well, thank you, Pastor Bunny. Thank you for your continued giving and your support in everything that God is doing. We are in a brand new year. <laughs> we survived 2020. And I think the good thing is that Jesus is still our Lord and Savior. So welcome to 2021. For many of us, we're just going to say 2019, 2021, 2022, but that's okay. I get it. I get it. Today, we're going to start a brand new series, Experiencing True Life, because this is what we know. There is only one place that we can find true life. No, it's not going to be by, uh, from some type of movie or some movie star or media or social media. It is going to be through one person alone. And that's who we get to learn about today. Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does that look like for us as we live in a world that seems like life is being taken away from us? Because true life comes from experiencing the one who is life. At the end of today's uh, service, we're going to be receiving communion together, so hopefully you got those elements ready. All you need is juice and bread. And hopefully you have those elements. Normally the bread is unleavened because uh, there's some history behind that. But we also uh, want you to understand that communion is more than just going through the motions. Jesus gave us a brand new covenant that was sealed by his blood. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So you can Go to the notes section if you want to click that. Those notes will help you to follow along and it will help us to remember what we'll be talking about today, which we are talking about a new covenant. Jesus gave his life so that we would experience the life he designed for us. True life is more than a statement. It's the hope of a possible reality. We all want true life. We want meaning in life. This is why Jesus gave us a new covenant signed and sealed with his very own life that's why he gave his life for us so we'll be receiving communion as a reminder of how that happens for all of us 
In the book of John, chapter 10, I'll read from verses 1 through 10. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I'm so glad Jesus goes ahead of us. He saw this day long before we could see it while we were still in 2020. He could see this day. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And then Jesus narrows in our focus and kind of zooms into this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When he says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, other versions, they, they don't use the word only, but it also uses the word purpose, that the thief's purpose is this, to steal, kill, and destroy. Or the King James Version, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So this is the only reason why he's there, to steal, kill, and destroy. Or another version says accept. The, the thief comes except to steal, kill, and destroy. Like that's his only focus. The Greek word that is being used here is the word may. And that word implies absolute denial. That's what the word means. So the devil's purpose is to deny us life to it and life to its fullest. That's what he's denying from us. He doesn't want us to have life and life to its fullest because that's what he's looking for constantly. So whenever he comes around to steal, kill, and destroy, that's his only purpose. He does not want us to have what Jesus promises, which is life abundant, true life. Now, why is the devil so adamant, so um, passionate, and, and so wanting to deny us life to its fullest? What is the reason? Why, why is he bothering us? Well, one, we know this, that the devil wanted to be higher than God. So he could never fulfill what he felt would have been life in its fullest. Because his pride wanted more. And he wanted to be more than God himself. So the devil will never experience what we experience which is eternal life with the Father. So because of his pride, because he can't enjoy that, and he can't get back at God, he's, he's not powerful enough to go against God and to defeat God. He has to go against the people that God loves the most. 
which are you and I. So he wants to deny us what he never experienced himself. That's why Jesus was so crystal clear when he said, yeah, that's what the devil comes to do, but listen very carefully. I have come. My purpose is, my focus is that you may have life and life to its fullest. See, the devil is trying his very best for us not to have this life that God promised for us. It's almost like, have you ever gone to like a, a, a sporting, uh, like you played sports with someone and maybe just like pick up game and you, you bring the basketball, you bring the football, you bring the volleyball and then as you're playing, everyone gets mad and because your team is losing, you get frustrated and then they say, no, no, you hit the ball out. No, it was out on you. No, the points was, were this and then you say this, okay, fine, give me my ball. I went home. It's exactly what the devil did. He's like, okay, I can't get against God. I can't, I can't, I can't defeat God, so you, you know what? I'm not going to let you have life, so give me your life, and I'm going home. And the sad thing is, we give it to him. So we never experience the full life that Jesus has for us. That's why Jesus, even though he said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, he says, don't let him take the ball and go home. I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. I have brand new I have a brand new basketball. I have a brand new football. I have a brand new soccer ball. I have a brand new volleyball. I have a brand new court. So let him go. Don't even focus on him. Focus on the life I promised for you. That is only when you're going to experience true life. That's why I have this new covenant with you. So we're going to focus on this new covenant that Jesus promised us that we're going to see that we're able to live this life to the full. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 31, prophetically, Jeremiah is saying that the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. This was the word that was coming to God's people. So here's what we can learn. If you want to take notes, write this in. And if, if you want to uh, follow the notes, you can click on the link and that will take you to where all of our, our notes are. But the first thing is to remember this, that life to its fullest is found in Jesus. That's the first thing we got to remember. Life in its fullest, to its fullest, is found in Jesus. Sometimes we think life is found to its fullest in somebody I become. Like, I got to become somebody. I have to become famous. I need to be known by people. My reputation needs to be better. Or my bank account, I need to make more money. Or my looks, I got to look better. Or I have to, uh, uh, I have to surround myself with the, the best things. I have, to, I have to have the nice house, the nice car. Everything has to be pristine. And when that happens, then I will experience life to its fullest. But we all know that the most richest people sometimes are the most miserable people. Because true life is never found in things. It is found in a person. And we know him as Jesus Christ. See, that's why we talk about discipleship. That 2021 is all about discipleship. That God is going to take us from where we actually are 
to our full potential. That's what discipleship is narrowed down to. It's where we are to where we should be. But the only way that happens is if we attend church, if we memorize scripture, if we read the Bible, if we sing songs very well, memorize worship songs, lift our hands. You know how we come to that place of Jesus fulfilling our fullest potential? It comes back down to if we choose to live it. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. God gave them a choice, and they chose otherwise. That's why Jesus redeemed us, so that now we can choose the better life. You know, the, as a baby, we only grow to a certain point where we, we mature, right? And, and then there's that certain age time frame that we as little children, we start saying this, I want to do it by myself. I want to do it by, I, I do it. No, I do it. I do it by myself. You're going to cook? But I do it. I, I do it. I make it. I make it. I make it. And as adults, we're like, no, you, you, can't, you can't make smoked meat right now. Uh, no, no, you, you can't do this right now. No, I'm not letting you use my phone right now. You're not even two yet, which they do already at one years old. But that's what they begin to say. I do it. I do it myself. Now, they're going to do it themselves, and in the beginning, it's going to be messy. They're going to mess up. They're going to break things. They're going to uh, get into accidents. They're going to they're burn themselves. They're going to get shocked. I got shocked a couple times. Man, it makes sense now. You're going to go through those things because we're at that stage where we're transitioning from everything being done for me and then now me doing everything for me. That I begin to do things myself. That's the sign of maturity. I begin to choose to live differently. That's why Jesus called it a new covenant. Because we needed something new in order for us to change. Now, there are some mature choices that we must make even when we don't want to. That's a part of maturity. For, I think it was, it might have been one of, my, one of my grandchildren, maybe even children, that I said, hey, make sure you do this. They said, why? I said, because it needs to be done, but I don't want to. It doesn't matter if you don't want to. This is what we do. This is what we do as mature people. You think I like washing the dishes at 2.30 in the morning, that these are not my dishes? Heidi, if you're watching, I really love washing the dishes at 2.30 because I love you. But we all chip in. We all do things that we don't want to do as Adults, it's a sign of maturity. We do things we don't want to do because those are the things that we have to do. We need to do certain things as adults. That's why as a believer, we started to switch that mindset from I have to do these things to wait a minute, I get to do these things. I get to do these things for my family. I get to work hard to provide for my family. I get to do these things. I get to serve the Lord. Why? Because I'm a child of the Most High. So I get to do these things. See, true life is found in Jesus. Life to its fullest is found in Jesus. Otherwise, we're just spinning around and just going through the motions and doing things because we have to, forgetting that maturity comes to us as we choose to do the things we may not want to do, 
but we get to do. Jesus chose to give his life so that we could receive full life, an abundant life, life to its fullest. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, it tells us that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God promised for them and so that Oh, for Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Which were all the laws of God, Ten Commandments. These are the things you must follow. But Jesus Christ died so that we could not, He didn't die so He could abolish the law, He died so that He could fulfill it. So that. As he died, he set us free from the penalty of sins that we have committed because the Ten Commandments showed us sin. Without the Ten Commandments, we wouldn't know we're sinning. Therefore, we would end up where sin leads us. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's where we would end up. The second thing we learn in this new covenant is to shift our old way of thinking to a new way of thinking. Our old way. And I'm not talking about the old ways as in before we met Jesus Christ. And that's a part of it. That's probably the majority portion part of this new life and old thinking and new thinking. But it's more than that. It's also our old thinking of last week, last year, last month, yesterday, this morning, this last conversation in how I responded to someone. For many of us, this past weekend was a tough weekend because it's New Year's Eve and we have, to, we have people coming over, we have to cook, we have to clean. Some of us are still tired from this weekend. And so I'm sure we may have had some tense moments with the people that are closest to us. So even from this past weekend, I have to change my way of thinking as I enter into this new year. See, I have to choose to think differently and in a different way according to the ways of God not the ways of man and definitely not the way I used to think. See if I don't change my thinking from old to new I will never grow and mature in Jesus therefore the new covenant only goes as far as eternal life not an abundant one here on this earth. That's why many believers never experience a full life they will have eternal life with Jesus in heaven, but there will be a certain point here on this earth where we could never grow past because we have not yet chosen to grow past that. And until we choose to shift our old way of thinking into a new way of thinking, we stay there. There are so many people, believers now, believers, who still have resentful attitudes against someone even though it was decades ago and your maturity stays there. So our effectiveness in discipling others stays there. Our effectiveness in the body of Christ stays there. We only grow as much as we want to mature. As far as we'll go. So we have to shift our thinking from the old way to the new way. Romans 5.20 will help us. It tells us that God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. 
So God gives us more grace not to sin but to change so that we can reach our full potential, that abundant life, the life he has promised us to the fullest. That's why Romans 12, 2 encourages us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Not changing your clothes styles, your car to a new one, your home to a better one, a bigger one. No, he said, change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when you hear the word transform, we all want transformation. Transformation is a multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, transformation of your face, plastic surgery. They just stretch your face, and so now you have no wrinkles. Like, you still like this, it's like, hey, man, hey, good, yeah, yeah, I have no more wrinkles now. So, and if that's what God, if you feel that that's what's for you, then that's fine. Multi-billion dollar industry. Or transformation when it comes to weight loss. Try this 30-day transformation because you, we see the videos, even on YouTube, it's like you have some dude, he's all ripped out. Yeah, if you uh, do this 10-day this transformation, you're going to go from where you are today to looking more like me 10 days. And then we buy into that thinking, this is going to transform my life. Nothing wrong with our physical bodies. Nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy. Nothing wrong with that. But if we think that that's what's going to give us true life, we end up at a dead end. Or sometimes we think that it's only about nutrition and health, and so we think that's what's going to give us true life. And again, those are great things. Nutrition, health. Those are great things. And it does help when it comes to our, the, the, our physical body. But the Bible tells us we're transformed by the way we think. Did you know that even, even though our, our, our bodies and, and the physical nature of us and how we look, we, we, we're in that culture. There's nothing wrong with exercise in itself. There's always a motive behind it. Because exercise is probably the most transformative thing that you can do for your brain today. Exercise can do that. It has immediate effects on your brain. A single workout can immediately increase levels of neurotransmitters. It, it, it increases uh, those feel-good uh, uh, chemicals in your body like dopamine, serotonin, or, or noradrenaline. We, that increases in our body so that it changes our mood. It changes the, the physical makeup of our bodies. A single workout can improve your ability to shift focus attention. And that focus will last for the next two hours if you're doing something. Let's just say work or studying. It increases blood flow and, and, and thins your blood so that it can, it can go into those, those tiny little capillaries in your brain so that it feeds your brain oxygen. That single workout can increase your reaction time. So you become like ninja after that. Your reaction time is that much quicker. When you increase your cardiorespiratory function, you get long-lasting effects because your body can aerate your blood. That's why we always talk about your cardio, your heart, that it's pumping blood to your entire body. See, exercise actually changes the brain's anatomy, physiology, and function. You know what is cool? New brain cells are developed in our hippocampus. That's where our memory is and learning. 
And it even grows our hippocampus so it becomes stronger. Increases our long-term memory or improves our long-term memory. Physical exercise has a protective effect on your brain. It's like now a, a castle wall has been built around your brain. It's like a muscle. The more you work it, the more your hippocampus, your prefrontal cortex is more developed and your prefrontal cortex helps with achieving goals. It's the decision-making, executive, functionary area where you, you, you're able to, to process information. So exercise will help your prefrontal cortex and your hippocampus become stronger and bigger. And the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus are the two areas that are most susceptible to neurodegenerative uh, degenerative diseases and normal cognitive aging decline. So when, when the Bible tells us that you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, neuroscience backs that up. Now you may not, you're not going to cure like Alzheimer's or dementia. You're not going to cure it, but you will create a stronger brain so that it takes longer for these diseases to take actual effect. So let's be transformed into this new covenant by changing the way we think. Let's shift from thinking in the old way, and we're going to have to pause for a moment because you're going to react. You're going to feel that trigger happening. You're going to want to react, but now you have to renew your mind. You have to change the way you think. Otherwise, we'll never experience life in its fullest. We have to choose to change. And then the last thing, and here's the fun part. Let's blaze our own trail with Jesus. Let's blaze our own trail. As children, we would go into our grandpa our grandpa's our grandfather's tool shed and grab whatever tools we could find. Machetes, uh, knives, sickles, um, hammers, um, saws, and we would just blaze trails and build things. We were like seven, eight years old. So the machete blade was huge for us as children. We thought they were like swords. So you blaze your own trail. God will provide the tools for you to blaze your own trail as you're on this journey with him for your life. This is your life. This is your journey. This is your life experiences. This is you finding your faith with Jesus because you're going to journey together with Jesus in this life. And he's going to bring you to life in all of its fullness. And sometimes we look at other people's lives and we come up with three categories. The first category is, oh, I'm glad my life isn't like theirs. The second is, I wish my life was like theirs. The third is, wow, our lives are pretty similar. But then there's a category that many of us forget. And it's to blaze your own trail with Jesus. Don't forget with Jesus. Don't just blaze your own trail and start cutting down. Oh, I'm going to live my life to its fullest. I'm just going to blaze wherever I want. I'm going to be whoever I want. I'm going to be myself. I don't need to listen to anybody. And then next thing you know, you're like by a cliff. You're like, hmm, how did I get here? Huh. How do I? And then you call out to God. When God sent Jesus way back there, and Jesus was like, I was on the trail with you, but I, you went like, I don't know where you went. I was blazing with you this wind, and all of a sudden, you went off the cliff. So blaze this trail with Jesus. I like what... Peter shares and what happened with Peter and in fact John shared this and as he writes this book 
in what happened with Peter and, 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 and how Peter was struggling with, I got to blaze my own trail. And this is after Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave. In John chapter 21, Jesus is sitting down with them. They're eating breakfast with the fish that, the, that uh, some of the, the disciples caught. So they're sitting down and Jesus says, I, I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him? What about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Peter, you follow me. As we receive communion together, I want you to take the elements because Jesus was reminding Peter that every single person has a very unique journey with him. This is what the new covenant is all about. It is personal. That's why we like certain movies. You tell me your favorite movie, I'll tell you where you are in it. We're a hero in our own stories. And this is the journey that Jesus gave to us. He's our hero in our story. It's his story. Not an old one. It's a new covenant. On the night in which Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. This new covenant is all about Jesus. He came to give us life and life to its fullest by giving his very own. Would you take the bread together? After supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant written in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. When Jesus shed his blood for us, his pure blood, that was necessary so that our sins could be paid for. We could not have a new covenant if Jesus didn't give us a new beginning. The beginning of this year, this first service together, Make some new decisions with the Lord. It's a new covenant written in his blood. And it's that powerful. You take the cup together. As we close in prayer, I want to leave you with these three, these three things to reflect on and maybe even discuss. What are the challenges in changing the way we think to reach our fullest potential. 
What does blazing my own trail look like when, what does it look like with Jesus today? And knowing God gives me more grace than I could ever sin, how does that change my perspective in life? Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we begin 2021 together, we thank you for the gift of life that you have given to us. And I pray for all of us that as we begin this year, that we would remember you will empower us to change the way we think, to shift from our old ways to our new ways, that we're going to be able to live the life that you promised us so that we can blaze our own trail with you because you already see what is the best life for us. So may we take your words and run with it to experience true life. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen. Happy New Year, everyone. Let's sing our final song together. And as always, God bless.